Welcome to Home Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I am a home functionality coach and a realtor. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot, no matter if you reside in 4,500 square feet or 350. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every little win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest by searching for the handle Space and Reason or scrolling down to the podcast notes. In this episode, let's discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation as it pertains to your children's rooms. Let's create spaces for kids. Creating spaces for our children to thrive in can be key in keeping chaos at bay and encouraging them to feel relaxed, seen, and heard by the way we fill their space. Your choices can support their growing curiosities and enhance their opportunity to discover new things. There are like a million shows on how to design a cute room, and there's a zillion posts on Pinterest about color combinations and furniture choices, but very few address actual space and reasoning, and so I'm so glad you've joined me today. Let's consider for a minute what is most important for your children in their room and throughout the house. Think big picture here. Make a list of things that are important to you as it pertains to your child in general. Don't think about color or furniture, none of that yet. Prioritize it from most important to least important on this list. And this will help you make sure that your home is aligned with your priorities. When we have children, we are so immersed in the minutiae. Where is the sock? Where is your other sock? I need to put two socks on your feet to get you out the door to go to school as soon as possible. Where's the sock? I just need the other sock. Dumb. It makes us all crazy. But right now I'm asking you to spend some time asking yourself some bigger picture questions. Is my home truly set up to support her passion of science? Or does my kitchen support this kid's emerging interest in, I don't know, cooking, whatever it is. This could be something as simple as having two stackable step stools that store one on top of another, but that can be separated and one placed at the island, one placed at the stove so that they don't have to get down and move the stool 15 times when trying to help you with dinner. It's way less fun if you constantly have to move a stool around. If it's most important that you have them outside and active every single day or at least as often as possible, do you have all of the outdoor gear in one spot that's easy for them to access 
and get on to get out the door quickly. If your priority is homework, do you have a really, really great place that honors that effort? Is it beautiful? Is it comfortable? Well, okay, not so comfortable that it encourages them to fall asleep, but if you show that you've put some effort in here, they recognize that. Do you have a station set up for a microscope and slides to encourage your daughter's emerging science interest? It could be as simple as a shelf mounted to the wall, just tall enough for her and to have the microscope and slides on it with a small bench under it. The design of their space has significant impact on how they will feel and how they will function in that space. It will determine how much or how little they will want to learn and play there, to study and imagine there. Likewise, if you're listing your home, the bedrooms are often overlooked when it comes to staging, especially if they're small in size. But buyers with families absolutely care how these spaces will function, so they shouldn't be overlooked in a selling scenario either. Whether you are in this home for the long haul or you're thinking of listing soon, you'll want to maximize the space to make the rooms feel spacious and easier to be in. Now I'm going to take a minute and introduce to you a very special guest today. For the topic of kids' rooms, I thought who better to have than a seven-year-old boy named Blue. Thanks for having me. My name is Blue Browning. I'm Christina's son that you usually hear, but she's going to let me join today on this podcast. Yeah, he's usually a really good sport about when I'm recording, but oftentimes I feel like you can all hear him in the background playing or just being a kid. Oftentimes when I go to record, I'll hear a basketball bouncing outside the door, throw up my hands and say, whatever, I guess I'll record tomorrow. (laughs) It's never too early to talk to your kids about ambiance and what that means. Ambiance means when it's super clean, can make the lights a little dim because we have a switch on the lighting so it can get dimmer or lighter. Funny story to share here. When Blue was about three years old and we were over the mountains visiting my husband's sister, he came out of the bathroom and said, Aunt Rachel, you have really good ambiance in there. Everybody split. They were in stitches. And it was because Blue absolutely nailed it. He was correct. Her bathroom lights were dim. There was a candle lit. It smelled good. He nailed it at three. Now, granted, he's my kid. But I'm just saying, like, if you start that conversation early, they understand what goes into making a space feel good. Look at the lighting. Is it warm? Is there a lamp? Can it be set to a brighter white hue for homework and something more warm for reading before bed to help them easily fall asleep? Kids grow so fast. And if you're listening to this, you know how a day can feel like an eternity, yet a year can go by in an instant. 
I'm going to turn to the scientific community and reference an article by Time Magazine in which many professionals weighed in on the science of childhood as it pertains to the spaces that you're providing them. When your child is between two and four years old, they're starting to focus for longer periods of time. And by longer, I mean up to a whole like 10 minutes. (laughs) Any amount of time that a child can sit and entertain themselves with one thing helps them grow, says Felice Scambler, a clinical specialist in pediatric occupational therapy at the New York University Langone Medical Center. If you put a child-sized table and chairs in their room, it establishes a spot for them to play and be creative. Whether they are looking at a book or playing with a toy, this encourages them to sit and focus, which is a new skill. As your child becomes more interested in art, this is a place to sit and have both paper and markers, crayons or pencils next to them. Think in terms of chairs. Choose some that are strong enough to hold you too so that you can sit down with them, read there, or at a minimum, have a look at what they're creating at their level. When your child is between four and seven, they'll likely be more into books. And since reading is all about using language to open up the world, this helps develop the skill of conversation. Having an intentional and comfortable place to read with your children is key in making it an enjoyable experience. Think about it. Would you sit somewhere an extended period of time and do anything if you weren't comfortable? Bean bags or a floor pillow, a reading spot of any kind that's well thought out is a good idea. You might even want a reading lamp there with a bulb that's not too bright to turn you off, but still enough to easily see the pages. Take note of where your kids are storing their active stuff too. Keeping an organized space for skateboards, bike helmets, basketballs, or whatever else they love to do is important in encouraging them to stay active. So... In the side of the garage, we have a clothes hamper. I have blocks. I have all kinds of toys. I love a dorm-style pop-up clothes hamper for corralling balls in the garage. There was a study published in the Journal of Science and Medicine in Sport that found that the more times boys in the first grade spent being physically inactive, the fewer gains they made in reading in the two following years. In the first grade, a lot of sedentary time and no running around also had a negative impact on their ability to do math. Interestingly though, in girls sitting for a long time without moving much didn't seem to have any effect on their ability to learn at all. However, it clearly helped them stay healthy. So think about where their bikes are, where their sidewalk chalk is. Is it easily accessible? Does it encourage activity? or hinder it because it's buried in the back of the garage under some stuff. When your child is between seven and 10 years old, they're gaining confidence around completing tasks on their own. Choices are important, playing up their newly found independence and can be helpful in developing their self-confidence. What that means as it pertains to their space is interesting. They suggest a great idea and I wanted to relay it here. Arrange clothing in a visual way by putting school clothes on red hangers and weekend clothes on yellow ones. 
So during the week, you can give your kiddo a choice. Hey, pick anything from red hangers. And this builds in parameters. Although, let me add an asterisk here. I would never ever suggest using red and yellow hangers in the same closet. Hello, visual chaos. You could pull this off just as well with white and black hangers too, or even put a small piece of colored electrical tape around the white hangers toward the top for weekend wear so that you can eventually remove the tape and have all matching hangers again as they grow older. I'm just wired that way. <laughs> when your child is between 10 and 14 years old, they're capable of more responsibility and completing chores and homework and tasks on their own, in theory. Getting them involved in the design and layout of the room can help them feel ownership and pride in the space and may help with them maintaining the space as well. If you can, place a desk in a spot in the bedroom in sight of the door so you can check in discreetly or put it out in a space that is defined as theirs, yet it's still in the family room or another area that may be able to be defined. Do you have a setback in the wall where there is an indented area of a few feet, but you haven't known what to do with that area. Perhaps you can mount a beautiful slab of wood there at desk height and put a chair under it. Maybe shelves go above it and you have a fully functional desk area without even needing a whole room. Having drawers or compartmentalized shelves to corral the clutter is helpful because kids are easily distracted. I will be doing another podcast specific to creating spaces for teens, so stay tuned if you have kids that are older. Researchers at UCLA's Center on Everyday Lives and Families discovered that when they explored in real time the relationships between 32 California families and the objects in their homes, it turns out that clutter has a profound effect on our mood and self-esteem. The anthropologists, social scientists, and archaeologists found a link between stress hormone levels in women homeowners that have a high density of household objects. The more stuff, the more stress we feel. Men, on the other hand, don't seem bothered by the mess, which accounts for some of the typical tension between mates. According to this study, women associate a tidy home with a happy and successful family. Families that want to reduce clutter often are emotionally paralyzed when it comes to sorting and pitching objects, which would account for the popularity of the show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. They either can't break sentimental attachments to objects or believe that their things have a hidden monetary value. Although U.S. consumers bear only 3% of the world's children, we buy 40% of the world's toys. And these toys live in every room, fighting for display space with kids' trophies, artwork, and snapshots of their last soccer games. Who's stepped on a Lego lately? <laughs> My hand is up. There is a true scientific link between clutter and depression. Speaking of clutter... Do you need to have a stuffed animal intervention? I understand. I'm going to recommend an item by Boon, B-O-O-N. It contains the stuffed animals and doubles as an ottoman, 
rejoice for dual-purposed items. They look attractive in both children's rooms and in family spaces. I will put a link in the podcast notes for you. Eliminating mental and physical clutter seems to be the biggest challenge for parents because how many goodie bags and cheap items have you brought home from countless birthday parties or Chuck E. Cheese outings? Controlling this is painful. My favorite thing to handle this type of stuff is to hang a shoe organizer on the back of their door to contain these things. So there's little pockets behind my door? I found one that's white and clear. When the door is open, you don't see any of it. When they want something from it, they close the door and everything is visible because the pockets themselves are clear. And they hold tinier stuff? There's so many things that don't necessarily belong in a category to utilize bins or shelves. Things that don't go without things that can be mixed up. I've had that happen before. It's not really fun. This doesn't have anything else that goes with it, so it goes in a pocket on the back of his door. So I can see, so I can look behind my door, and they're like, there's slingshots, there's... Bouncy balls have their own pocket. There's little tiny fake swords, there's... A yo-yo. Like, mole control stuff that we put back there. There's my camera that I have. His two green six shooters, souvenirs from Knott's Berry Farm. Our old cell phones that he plays imagination with. Walkie talkies. A calculator and whatever this thing is. Whatever free things makes its way home with him. (coughs) Here is the bane of my existence. Plastic party favors. Knickknacks from the dentist office and anything from the dollar store. My public service announcement to the world, stop giving out cheap crap in mass quantities. To those who pose the question, well, who doesn't love free stuff? Me and a gazillion other earth-conscious moms who don't want cheap crap in a bag that they have to organize and will eventually go into a landfill. Just... No, this is quick gratification thinking. I would prefer to invite fewer kids to a party, in other words, less of a present grab, and have my son truly have real relationships with all five kids attending. That also means the take-home gift could be an actual shark book by National Geographic, and they would cost like $7 each, but that's not much more than a bag full of garbage that helps to ruin our ever-delicate earth. How many $1 items go home with every single kid that shows up at the party? Remember your actions demonstrate without words how to be, how to think of things. If you teach them clutter can make your mind crazy, affect your mood, and how much you enjoy your space, they will learn that. When I walk into my room and it's messy, I don't like it because I'm going to have to step around everything. And it gets me this feeling like, ugh. Emotions run high in kids. Misunderstandings, overstimulation, or communication breakdowns can easily lead to frustration and meltdowns. Anticipating this and including soothing items can help. I love the idea of a calm-down pillow. Training your youngsters to soothe themselves with a tactile thing can be a great skill to learn. 
The reversible sequin pillows you see everywhere these days are a great option since they can be right or drawn on by pushing the sequins in the opposite direction. We have a superhero version. Children who learn the art of regulating their emotions are more capable of looking beyond themselves and feeling empathy for others. Also, as they get to the age of six or seven, it's not too early to start talking about the word ambiance and what that means. It's how your space makes you feel. If you talk about it often, you can help them tune into that. When my son comes and tells me he doesn't know what to do, by the way, he's not allowed to say I'm bored in our house because it is not my job to entertain him. I walked him out into the family room and I asked him what he thought of the ambiance. He said, well, there isn't anything going on right now. I explained that if he turned on some music using our smart home device A and turned on the corner lamp, it will change how he feels in here and quite possibly could spur some creativity. When you set yourself up to feel good in a space, sometimes it helps you to be unstuck. That holds true for adults too. For reals. Including the tools they need while excluding chaos increases independence and lowers stress and anxiety, even though they don't realize it. Let's go over five steps to think on. Define spaces. Look at their room or rooms if they have additional areas set aside in family rooms or bonus spaces. Ideally, the physical layout of the room is maximized and purposes are clearly delineated. This is obviously where you sleep. This is clearly where you read, books, beanbag, hammock on the floor, cushions, whatever. This is where you keep toys. This is where you can get creative, color books, markers, crafting things. I would emphasize here that experts agree, reading is such a fundamental part of growth, happiness, and becoming a successful human that you should be sure to include a wonderful space for them to read even if they're not currently a big reader. This could help encourage it and foster the activity. Include spaces where a friend can hang with them. This can be as simple as buying two floor pillows instead of one for their reading area. I keep my son's old crib mattress under his bed, which fosters as a mattress for the floor when a friend comes to spend the night. It can also be pulled into the family room for lounging or reading or whatever other activities might present themselves. If you're starting from scratch, consider the flooring because carpet or rugs tend to be more cozy and reduce noise levels. Also on that note, I have a guest bedroom that was doubled in length when we built our home so that the room could either have two full beds to host an entire family traveling from across the country or it could become a twins shared room for the next homeowners. It could also hold one bed with spare room that can change as we change. I'm sure if you've listened to my podcast before, you're familiar with the term flex space. But the nice thing about the art room is it's also a guest bedroom. Because it's carpeted, I've gone to a fabric store that has longer bolts for interiors, and I purchased a thick 
clear plastic to put down on the floor. So just in case I drop a pen, it won't it won't get it on the carpet and will be so you know. It protects my carpet and makes me far less nervous for painting or chalk, kinetic sand or pastels when it hits the floor. You know that time when you drop a pen and then like it gets all messy on the carpet. This is a protection measure, and because it's clear, I don't mind how it looks. It's actually very smooth. It's hard enough for me. I can actually draw on there. I did the same thing along the white wainscoting on either side of my son's high chair when he was a baby. We stapled it under the lip of the top of the wainscoting and it ran all the way down under the table onto the carpet and under his high chair. We wiped countless splashes off and nobody could even tell it was there. I know, right? When we removed it two years later to sell the condo and build our house, the dining room was absolutely perfect without so much as one spot on the carpet or the wainscoting, despite a baby eating there in a high chair for a whole year and a half. Try to stay away from character themes or items with cartoons or characters on them. A great example is when we took our son to Maui for his first birthday and needed a suitcase. There are so many character suitcases in the world, but I chose one that was gray camouflage with turquoise seams and zippers. We still use it today. However, he is now seven and insisting he needs a new bike helmet because the one his grandma got him has cartoon characters on it and therefore, apparently in his words, it's for a baby. The suitcase, however, is cool for the long haul. The less things you have that have characters on them, the less you're going to have to replace just because your child is growing up. I feel especially strong about this when it comes to your wall coverings, paint, wallpaper, etc. Think of it in terms of what could I do with the wall color now that they're three and how will it translate when they're seven? Yes, you can paint over it. But when thinking in terms of doing it right once and then having time for quality experiences, you don't want to set yourself up to have to redecorate in just a few years. Remember the whole point of this podcast is creating great spaces and then having more time for quality in them. So let's not put yourself in a position where you have to rethink rooms every few years. Let's methodically think through the next five years and what changes we can predict. One wall in my room has wallpaper. It looks like wood. Yes. When you think about spaces in terms of textures and interesting neutrals, wood is an easy thing to incorporate no matter what your age. If you're five or if you're 90. As Blue said, one of his walls is wallpaper and it looks like wood. I figured at three, we can have the zoo animals all around that he was so excited and passionate about. Now, four years later, we've got lots of baseball stuff happening in there and the wood looks just as good. Yes, I understand there are always surprises in life, but let's set ourselves up for minimal work when possible. Let's make it beautiful and functional for as long as possible. Extra credit for finding multi-purpose furniture to incorporate when possible. 
beds with drawers under it, ottomans with storage. You're gonna like this. Pottery Barn Teen has a swivel mirror that has a cork board on the entire back of it, and I can't tell you how giddy this makes me. As always, find the link in the show notes. Let's talk briefly about color for a moment. I love the paint color Sea Salt by Sherwin-Williams because it goes so wonderfully with pink and orange, and it's just as much feminine as it is masculine. It's adorable with navy, turquoise, and brown. It sometimes looks more green and other times more blue. It's soft and it doesn't assault you when you walk into the room. It's perfectly subdued. It's light and bright enough that your room won't turn into a cave, but it's still encompassing. If you listen to episode 16 about bedrooms, you might remember hues of blue and green seem to be the most calming. And now, it's time for some questions. Questions to ask yourself about your child's spaces and your reason. Number one, what are the areas that I'm noticing the highest non-compliance? Push back on doing homework, push back on chores, on going to bed. Figuring out how to incorporate choices or changes in those areas could help. Just like you would dread cooking in a tiny, cramped, inefficient kitchen day after day, they dread reading in a place that lacks reading light or isn't conducive to playing. This is a great conversation to have if you have an older child, say six or seven. How you feel in a space directly influences if you want to be in it or not. And if you aren't reading like ever, maybe it's because the space we set aside for you to read isn't working. Let's look at it together. P.S. If you have a homework area or a reading area already and it's not getting used, The first thing I would look at is lighting. Halogen and fluorescent bulbs generally do a better job of illuminating reading material than normal incandescent bulbs because it's more white and less warm. Illuminate the book and text with a small white light, but the space as a whole, like the whole room, with a warm bulb. So desk lamp would be bright light, bedroom lamp or overhead light would be warm. If your child pushes back on bedtime, come up with a wonderfully enticing routine. Map it out, even if it's in pictures for them, to reference and get them involved. We are going to think about the order we're going to do things. Which thing should we do first? Question two. What are passions that they have that I can encourage in their space? This doesn't mean putting stars all over the ceiling if they happen to be interested in space, although I guess you could, but I'm talking more about like making room for a telescope in any room in the house to foster this love. If your 12-year-old is enjoying origami, make a little origami station with a how-to book on it next to the paper for folding. Also, when considering storage or furniture, think about ways in which pieces can grow with them. 
we have a natural wood storage unit with white pullout drawers called the Trofast storage combination with boxes. It's from Ikea. The bins that are outside my door, they have my Hot Wheels cars, they have Bigfoot stuff in them, and they also have Jurassic Park. They have Legos and stuff. We kept the wood natural so it can grow with him. It started out in the bottom of his closet to hold things like bibs and binky clips and other baby items. I've had the bins for probably five or seven years. Then it morphed into toys, each drawer with a different category. Then it moved with us when we built our new house, and it lives in a different spot right outside his bedroom door, yet in an area that we call our family room. And it holds older toys. And we use little stickers on the bin so we could see which bin is which. This will go on forever, possibly holding art supplies next and maybe someday ending up in our garage for gardening stuff. This is the beauty of buying natural pieces. They can grow with the child aesthetically, and eventually you may end up repurposing it for yourself. The number one question I get from parents is how to organize Lego blocks. I actually bought a nuts and bolts type organizer from a big box store and organized them by color. I've posted pictures of this already on Instagram, and I'll post photos on the group Facebook page as well. Question three, does this space feel like a space of retreat? Get in there and sit down at their level. Look around from their perspective. Include vertical storage space so that desktops, the floor, and bookshelves stay as uncluttered as possible. I get it. They're kids. If you can, run the shelving as high as possible. There are always keepsake things that don't need to be easily accessible, and the top shelves can be reserved for these sorts of things. Also, if your kid is into sports and quickly accumulating trophies, create a space for them to be displayed up and out of the way. A really high horizontal shelf may do the trick. I saw my son accumulating belts as he worked his way through his Taekwondo discipline, so we created a display shelf to strap them to. It's skinny and tall, but then we included a shelf across the top for other trophies too. Hello, multi-purpose winner winner chicken dinner. A note here, before you mount your trophy shelf to the wall, find the tallest trophy before you decide where the shelf is going to make sure you have enough vertical space. To keep the zen vibe present, give them a cork strip or many in a row to hang things from, which can prevent things from being taped all over the room, adding to the visual clutter. At some point, you may pick your battles and give up on this area. But if you've given them a space to pin things as they wish, depending on the kid, they may just stick to it. Since emotions run high, installing soft clothes cabinetry throughout the house is always a good idea. No slamming of the cupboards when someone doesn't get their way. Bonus points that this is an upgrade and will feel good and easy to the adults that live there too. If you want kids to put things away, access to storage has to be easy. Go with topless bins on adjustable shelving. Ensure there's about five inches clearance above the top so the kiddos and you can enjoy access during cleanup time. 
Oh, if we only had the ability to snap our fingers like Mary Poppins and clean the whole nursery with a song and a hand gesture. That's my most favorite childhood movie. A company called Stop Clip also sells a removable doorstop to help protect walls from doorknob damage. It slides on the top, bottom, or opening side of the door frame without any fasteners. No matter if you're dealing with the terrible twos or teenage angst, this little $5 gadget may save you a drywall repair job. Intentions are powerful. What are your intentions this week? Write them down and hold yourself accountable. Talk about your intentions with your kids so they see you modeling behavior you want them to learn someday. The biggest gift we can give our children is freedom to explore and be who they are, not who we want them to be. Our role as parents is to learn the kind of humans our children are wanting to become who they currently are, and create a space to let them be more of that. Express more of that. Explore the things that interest them deeply and celebrate their unique talents. I usually play with my Hot Wheels a lot because I have bins and I could put the tracks in where the Hot Wheels cars are. I could build tracks whenever I want. It's neat and tidy and it doesn't mess up the space. Next, let's dive into the subject of automation. I want to briefly talk about using your smart home device to set up reoccurring reminders for you and your kiddos. Life is busy with kids, and I often feel like I live by the clock, looking at it like a million times a day, trying to remember appointments and where we need to be next. Every day, our smart home device reminds us what to do. If you have reoccurring things, you can program your smart home device to remind you and your kids of these things. It cuts down on watching the clock so much. Oh, and it reminds me to get the mail. From sport practices that happen on the same time on the same day every week. This is a reminder. It's time to leave for Taekwondo. To reminding your kids to wash their hands when they get home from school. Whatever it is, it's one less thing you have to think about. If you explain to them that these reminders need to be honored just as if they were coming from your own mouth and you reinforce it, it won't take long before they listen and follow through. Here's your reminder. Blue, you have 30 minutes before your routine starts. Younger kids often have difficulty with the concept of time, so we give our son a 30-minute warning before bedtime so he can decide what he wants to do with the remaining 30 minutes of his evening. This has prevented countless meltdowns because before, he felt like he didn't know bedtime was coming so fast, and he still wanted to play with some particular toy or have snuggle time with mommy, whatever. If your child's job is to change the litter box every other day, set up a reminder. If your child forgets his lunch often, have your smart home device rattle off a list of things a minute before they're supposed to walk out the door for the bus. Matthew, make sure you have your lunch, your backpack, your homework, and your insulin, or whatever your personal list is. Maybe you simply need to set a reminder for them to start putting on their shoes every morning so they can actually get out the door on time. You can do that. 
Now, before you roll your eyes and say, I can't believe you're having your smart home device parent your child, let me remind you of how many decisions and tasks we parents perform on any given day. This is simply automating the reoccurring reminders and taking them off that giant scrolling list in your head. I find this especially helpful for timing reminders. Christina, don't forget to clean the fish tank today. It's not just for the kids, it's for the grown-ups too. And that reminder, giving my son 30 minutes before bedtime, well, my husband does his nightly routine with him anyways, so it's just simply giving everyone a heads up of where we are in our evening without having to constantly watch the clock. Now let's talk about food for a second, because that can be tricky with kids. Do you have a house divided with allergies, pickiness, or food sensitivities? I found a three-lane lasagna pan. You can literally make a vegetarian lasagna for your teen, an extra meat lasagna for you and your partner, and a version without salt for your parent that lives with you but has dietary restrictions. I'll include a link in the podcast notes and on our group Facebook page. I know this doesn't have to do with children exactly, but when you have them, they can throw a hitch in your giddy-up when cooking, so I had to include that. Also, oh my gosh, why is it so hard to get dinner on the table every single night when you have kids? 50% of the country reports dreading dinner time, and I've created an online course called Dinner Without Dread to help you bring more ease into your evenings. If you know someone who struggles with getting takeout more than they would like or talks about how stressful dinner time can be, refer them to this class. The e-course is the same price as one delivery from DoorDash, so you'll be empowering yourself and saving some cash by not ordering takeout so often. I want to read an excerpt to you by Ariane de Bavoisin from Psychology Today. The article is titled, Parenting a Successful Child, Is It Time for a New Definition of Success? It reads in part, What is a new definition of success for parents? Teach your kids to become familiar with what inspires them. Finding what they love, what their mission is, how to be of service to their fellow beings, how to forget about what their age or gender implies, let them discover what is worth doing with their life, to listen to their intuition, to love themselves, to love their body, yes, to be the best in what they want, to be first in what matters to them. To not seek safety, but joy and meaning. To try hard things and to fail and learn from that. And to just have fun along the way. End quote. Do you have any feedback for me? I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at Christina with a K at spaceandreason.com. And don't forget to check out my Dinner Without Dread e-course linked in the podcast notes. If you happen to live in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area and you'd like me to sell your home, message me on any platform and I'll get the ball rolling. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Did you know that you can hire me no matter where you live? If you're really stuck on what to do with one particular space in your house, I have online consultations open. Check out my website, spaceandreason.com, and click on the link, Imagine. 
Hey, thanks for joining me today. And thanks so much, Blue, I call him Blueberry, for hanging out and sharing your thoughts with our audience. Thanks for having me. Um, hey, have you rated this podcast yet? Because that would be awesome. Just saying. Just saying.